0: Ahoy! Welcome to the Design That Scales podcast. I'm Benjamin Williams.
1: And I'm Anna Gambril. This is your go-to source for non-designers to get the latest design tips and tricks to scale their business.
0: In today's episode, we will be chatting about some design trends, why we like them and why we think they're cool. How are you going today, Anna?
1: I'm good. It's a little chilly in Sydney. I'm sitting. Um, I'm sitting by the heater. I've got my um, many layers of puffer vest on. Uh, what about you?
0: I'm enjoying the scarf that's around your neck this morning.
1: <laughs> don't tell. Don't tell anyone about it. It's a it's a fishing. It's a fishing neck scarf that my um dad hand-me-down hand-me-down um and it's rather warm but it's it's negative 100 in terms of fashion um
0: <laughs> wow that will certainly warm things up negative 100
1: <laughs> it does the job you know
0: <laughs> oh think we are expecting some bad weather here today so stormy seas and all of that Fifty-five. Um, knots? i am doing 55 knots well near gale today but um <laughs> I'm doing well, Anna. I'm also cold, and so I'm going to put on my more trendy scarf, uh, which oh. is a lovely black and <laughs> grey scarf.
1: Is it really more trendy? I mean, well, we can we can debate yeah. that. Um, <laughs> oh, thank you for showing me that over Zoom. I appreciate that. It is. You, you actually do win. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> fabulous.
0: Great. So now that we got that out of the way, we spoke about the weather. Um, <laughs> how has your week been?
1: It's been good, yeah i've um I've been enjoying looking into a few different um I don't know like design and content trends this week um, as part of my as part of my research um, and I thought it' would be cool if we just have a bit of a chat on some of the the brands that are I guess showing some of these design trends in in really um, unique and clever ways.
0: Awesome. Um, and what is your favorite design trend that you've discovered this week?
1: <laughs> well, it's funny, like, the theme minimalism you know it's it's something that i've had to embrace particularly moving into a tiny terrace um in sydney in erskineville it's you know i had to declutter my life had to downgrade and i think it's like a headspace that i've been in a lot but um yeah i guess minimalism as a concept i've been reading about a lot and obviously it's not just you know graphic design it's it is our house it's our wardrobe it's our website it's social media it can be anything but it's that idea of um organizing, you know, tidying up. Um and and it really it reminded me, Ben, of um the Marie Kondo kind of um shoots that we did at eBay. I was
0: just thinking about Marie Kondo as you were talking.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the the declutter um queen, some might say. But um, but yeah, just sort of um I know in that space we were talking about decluttering from a um, you know, clearing out your old tech and, and secondhand goods, um, sort of the B2B um side of the business at eBay, but um you know there are those layers of minimalism, and I think in design, and you'll be able to speak to this more. But this idea that it's the overall design aesthetic of you know a piece of work, but it's also looking at those elements within a design that contribute to minimalism. Min- minimalism. It's a, it's a bit of a, it's a vocal warm up. It's like unique.
0: Say that one ten times fast.
1: Yeah, minimalism. Minimalism. Um, <laughs> it's a challenge, but it was really interesting. So I looked a little bit into I guess the history of of the movement and. It was actually, minimalism came about in the 1960s and it was a a counterculture to to work that was, you know, abstract. Like pop art was a a big example that came up and pop art obviously everyone thinks of Andy Warhol's work Um, and it's, you know, it's very political. It's about commenting on the mass media. Um, It's about modern culture and, and minimalism came in as a way to counter, you know, that busyness, that, that cluttered um, you know overbearing sort of political heaviness which obviously is very important but you know minimalism in encountering um, that sort of pop culture or pop art, is it's strong, it's simple, it's clean lines, um, it's removing unnecessary details. It it was really cool as well. And because I'm someone that practices mindfulness, and I know that you do as well, that a lot of people say that minimalism comes from um, like Zen Buddhism, and that culture of, you know, nothingness and not making, you know, this idea that you're not Adding, you're removing, you're leaving plain, and um, you know it made me think about some of the brands uh, that we see all the time. And I was actually just um, looking online at Uniqlo the other day. Um, do you do you shop at Uniqlo, Ben?
0: I do. I have a couple of hideous jumpers from Uniqlo, but they're super warm, <laughs> a little bit bougie, one of them. But uh, yes, I do shop at Uniqlo. <laughs> yeah,
1: hideous. No, thanks. Thanks for your honesty. Um, <laughs> Sorry, you're keeping the camera off. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, Uniqlo is awesome, because it is about it's about staples. It's about wardrobe staples. And I have so many like turtlenecks and block colors. Um, and I think with Uniqlo as well, it's, it's not about blatant branding, like it's very stripped back, you know, and I was thinking, what's the opposite of a Uniqlo, for example, to prove the point of minimalism, you know, is a brand like Supreme, which is, it's a it's a really like, you know, distinct, bold, shouty kind of brand where you have—it's still minimalistic, I guess, in some ways. I don't know. What do you think about Supreme? The streetwear. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 very bold, but I I don't know. Do you think there are elements of minimalism, or do you think the fact that they have that sort of brand? say
0: their brand isn't this not not minimalist because it is quite. It's got a nice little amount of clear space, but it is quite bold um, in terms of its color palette. Mm. Um, but that's from what I can see from their website at the moment. Instagram icon. So if you look at the art that they have on their shirts, that would be all very like bold and over the top, Uh, quite detailed artistic prints and um, patterns. So I think the thing in terms of their actual brand aesthetic, it's quite minimalist, but then the stuff that they put on their clothing is quite bold and cluttered and busy, um, but it's also very artistic. So, uh, very opposite to minimalist um, on top of what they put on their clothes.
1: Yeah, absolutely and I think it's really cool yeah. as well that you have explained that because it's like the lay there are elements of minimalism but also elements that sort of conflict with that um, which is is really interesting. Um, so thank you for looking into. Them. I mean I
0: feel like if you were selling there's a red hat on here which has got this really bold sort of floral print all, all over it. Uh, it looks like it's actually got nodes to aboriginal art as well and then if you put that on a website that was just as crazy then the hat would looks as crazy because uh, everything <laughs> would be so crazy so i think having a you know a brand that's minimalist when you're selling crazy or over the top products is probably the reason they've done that so that the product stands out
1: ah, interesting yeah it's clever so that combo um mindful if you will
0: mindful yes it's mindful i mean what I like about minimalist design is like often I, I find marketers will and small businesses will constantly think, Oh, here's a piece of creative and we want it to say seven things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that's where this is really good for those sort of things, because most people's attention spans only a couple of seconds. Um, so if your job of your creative is to, to, get a message across, uh, minimalist design is probably going to be a great place to start because it's really going to force you to think about one thing and how you can get that message across quite well. Um, so you could Marie Kondo it, look at everything on the, the, the creative and think <laughs> about what doesn't spark joy anymore and let it go. Yes. Just let it go off the creative. It doesn't need to be there.
1: <laughs> totally. And that comes with like the JOMO movement, which is the joy of missing out, which I think is very much that that uh, um, minimalist um, mindset. And, you know, it's something we have to embrace. And when I think of minimalism as well, and what came up when I Googled, um, just to sort of look a bit more deeply, the, the top Reddit article was, why do minimalists like IKEA so much? Um <laughs> And why do they? <laughs> why do they? Well, <laughs> I mean, obviously the aesthetic—it's it's a striking white, you know, Scandinavian aesthetic, and and you know that comes through in all their marketing as well. Um, it also that that article led, led um, us to think about the question: How many settings of silverware does one person need? Um, and apparently, one is enough, just um, from a minimalist <laughs> perspective. Um, <laughs> which would
0: have stealing forks from the office kitchen, which I do.
1: <laughs> not being minimalist um yeah. in your cutlery collecting habits no well
0: that's well that's why steve jobs apparently used to wear the same black turtleneck every day is because that was one less thing he had to think about so yes. in terms of decision fatigue the more minimalist your life is the easier it is uh to pro- to progress on other things so like uh, if you don't have to worry about you know what Outfit to wear each day that's going to help, uh, help you have more brain power for later.
1: Yes, 100%. And that really ties in with like this idea of us having information overload um, in today's society. And, and so brands that are cutting through, you know, in choosing to strip back. Um, and I think another layer is obviously the uncertainty of a global pandemic and people, um, you know, we're not sure what's going to happen and we're sort of being you know, forced to think back to basics, think about essentials, what we need um, and what can we live without? And so I think, yeah, it just, it's using minimalist elements in your creative and content um, is really, it really resonates with people at the moment. And there were a few quick logos, Ben, I wanted to just um, mention that I'd come across as being really minimalist, said it right that time. Um, (laughs) So the North Face, which is obviously like gear for athletics, Um, athletics or athletes who practice athletics they've obviously got really bold font and they've got um, a mountain design Um, it's the um, Yosemite I believe is the pronunciation but it's the half dome of a mountain and it's very simple Um, and you just mentioned apple before as well Um, obviously that logo in itself is very simple and very basic but one brand that I did just want to wrap up with on this topic was the brand of headspace and of course we all sort of know you know that brand affinity we can see that that orange circle in our head that's iconic to that brand um, but it's just such a simple concept um, and when you go and look you know I've, i was looking through their instagram yesterday as well and i've been following them for a long time and, and using the app but the design it's so simple and they often have in their instagram grid just a simple square with a few lines that create a little face, like a a face that looks restful, or they just have words like you are worthy with some block colors and a little smiley face. Like it's all very stripped back. It's very simple. It's very appropriate for the mindfulness um, movement and that space. I feel calm when I go onto that page, but also kind of energized and grounded. Um, But yeah, what do you think about the Headspace brand?
0: I love the Headspace brand. As soon as you started, I just, this ad has been following me around of just this like orange head that rolls around on the ad and it's just a happy little face. Um, <laughs> but that's all the ad is. I don't even think there's any copy on it. I think it's just an orange circle ball rolling over some landscape with a happy face. Yes. And that's all they need to say and then leave it all in the copy. Um, I do like Headspace brand branding because it's also very colourful. So they're kind of making mental health a bit um you know, feel like a fun thing. You know, something like Calm also kind of does the same job, but uh, they kind of play more in the blues and it feels a bit more moody and a bit more on the, on the down downer side compared to Headspace. But, yeah, no, I think I really like the Headspace brand and they're, they're doing really well as an app, so um, it's obviously working well for them.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Pioneers in the minimalist, modern minim- minimalist movement, um, but it's, yeah, it's definitely... I definitely always love looking at their brand work, and and to wrap up on minimalism, I did want to um, end with a quote from Zoolander. Actually, um, moisture is the essence of wetness, and wetness is the essence of beauty. And I think that really just takes us back to going to ba- going to basics, stripping things back, um, and looking at the essence of of why and what. So, thank you, Zoolander.
0: Love it. Great. <laughs> It's how you make incredibly, incredibly good looking design. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, it. it's a great film. But I would love to know um, what what trends are getting you excited at the moment, Ben?
0: Well, Anna, so I've actually written two articles on trends this year. And hmm. there is one trend that has I'm just in love with um, and I've been in love with it all year. Mm-hmm. And it's actually just harmonious colour combinations. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically what it is, it's just, uh, we all know what, Harmony feels like you know, when things are meant to be, they go well together. This harmonious is opposite. So it's color palettes that show basically different colors that are com- competing for your attention. Usually it results in a lower readability for the audience. But what it does is it actually um, catches the attention of the viewers sooner. So most people uh, will do this by mistake. <laughs> a disharmonious <laughs> color combination. Uh, if you think blue and green should never be seen red and green should never be seen i think is the other one and basically the colors are what i would say if you're on the color wheel you have different sort of color uh combinations there's mono which is basically say you had blue monochromatic all the shades are blue uh then you have analog which is the colors that sit next to your colors on the color wheel so if it's blue it would be like a like a cyan or a purple and then you've got complementary which is the colors opposite the color wheel so Disharmony is usually when it's kind of in between all of that and it just is very jarring um, to look at. So the reason I really like disharmony at the moment is because it's a really great um, tool in your toolbox if you're trying to get cut through on social media or on your ads because people can't help but notice it because it is jarring. Yes. I wouldn't necessarily say go and design your (laughs) brands with disharmony it will burn people's retinas and they they will probably not enjoy the experience for a long time. It's kind of like a, something you can endure for a little bit, um, but you wouldn't want to be, might be nice for a fast food restaurant. We want them to come in and eat quickly and get out, um, but not somewhere <laughs> you want people to, to hang and um, lurk or dwell for a long time because it will be too much. But that is why I personally like disharmony. And it's, a trend that was kind of announced at the start of the year and I've been kind of following it and been using it and I've been finding quite success with our our advertising when I do like disharmony color combinations but I only kind of keep it there so what are your thoughts on disharmony
1: disharmony yeah no I I think I I keep going back to that one ad that that you did um with with the lime green and the purple but I yeah I enjoyed that you'd said catching attention of viewers quickly. Like it's, it's always that, you know, and you said before that attention span, knowing that there's that limited um, focus with, with the noise of social channels as well. But if you can get someone to see your marketing design and, and look, and it's jarring and then they read it. And obviously um, I know you mentioned before that it's, if you're doing something that's kind of satirical you're making fun of how jarring it is like make that clear and (laughs) that that's a balance that you need to capture but um but yeah I think I think you know we can think about that as well and in how we write copy as well just you know words that go with imagery that is kind of surprising or unexpected when it appears in a particular channel or um you know just in a particular context, it's like thinking about disharmony across all elements of design.
0: Yeah, so just you're really right. So I feel like if you're going to use disharmony and you're a designer, uh, you need to use the copy to make sure people realize that that's what you're doing. Most of the time when you see disharmony color combinations, it's because the artwork's been put together by someone who isn't a designer um, and have absolutely just made a mistake uh, and <laughs> They're on the exit off the highway in the wrong lane, and everything's going down <laughs> fast for them. <laughs> the whole website is lime and green, uh, lime lime green and the hot pink, and it's just a hot mess. Um, but but what I um, also like another good use of this harmony is um, is your call to actions. I actually think it's a great option for your your mm. brands. Actually, like save you on your website, and it's all like a lovely blue color. It, it's a nice. Um, way to draw eye to something on the page. So if you wanted a call to action or you had like a, an action you wanted your customers to take, I think using a disharmonious color for your call to action could be a really good way to go as like a regular brand piece, um, but making sure it's just the one sort of, what is the one thing you want your customers to do? And then making that the disharmonious color on your on your website, for example, I think is a great way to draw attention to whatever it is you want them to draw attention to. So whether it's... Yeah. To, shop now or there's a promo going on i think that's a great way to use 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 it um and not always be you know harmless so the opposite of headspace basically you're kind of creating chaos basically <laughs>
1: <laughs> wanted chaos the chaos yeah. that people need but yeah to drive action um 100 yeah this call to action makes um so much sense And and i was wondering are there any brands that have logos or designs that are particularly intentionally disharmonious that work um, you mentioned fast food. It, it would could work in the space of fast food, but I'm just trying to think of some brands um, that might do that well.
0: <laughs> um, I i can't really think of any brands that kind of embody it as a whole brand concept. I mean, so the, uh, like red, green and blue together, which is RGB, which, which those three colours are kind of what your screens, you know, merges together to make the colours that you see when you're on your, like your monitor or your phone or whatever. Uh, yeah, those three colours would... your primary colors and those colors together are probably disharmonous so I'm sure there are brands out there that use those Uh, I can't think of anything top of mind I did have a quick look but I couldn't really find any most people have kind of refined their their brand palette uh, or their brand aesthetic to not be disharmonous (laughs) yes Uh, but where I do see it quite a lot is um Probably more in cartoons or movies um, where maybe someone's on an acid trip <laughs> um, and <laughs> and they're going through this this world and it's colourful and all of the colours, all the things that you would normally see are wrong. Um, and so, like, the, the leaves on the tree are blue and the background's orange and, like, that's probably when you start to go into more of a disharmony's colour combo and a lot of artists will probably... A lot of artists paint paintings in disharmonous color combinations because it becomes really interesting and quite abstract. Um, So I probably see it more there than people doing it from a brand piece. Um, But I do see it a lot in advertising. um, And that's just to to draw attention. But it's probably where I would say I see it being used the most.
1: Yeah, and that people would steer clear from it, from like their, their logo or their core brand assets or identity. Um, but yeah, that's interesting that the, the psychedelic state, it's not a reality you want to live in every day. So clearly not a good um, idea for brand. I mean, being on a
0: constant trip is going to invoke some anxiety, I'd imagine.
1: It's <laughs> <laughs> not, not a business you're going to feel too good about. Um, I don't think so, unless it's a psychedelic um, provider business. So that's, <laughs> and they're doing well.
0: They are fast-growing in the US, so.
1: (laughs) And and Canberra. (laughs) (laughs) No, brilliant. Super interesting. Um, Yeah, something to keep thinking about as we're continuing to create work. Yes. And
0: what is your second trend that you're frothing about today, Anna?
1: Frothing over. Well, I I like to, I froth over authenticity. And I think, you know, the real and the authentic was one of the topics um, that you had written about as well in your article, uh, just talking about sort of popular trends at the moment and I think it does it does go hand in hand with minimalism because you know it is about removing the fake the excess it's about just being real um, and and similar to minimalism with you know the weird state of the world and people not feeling secure or sort of safe going back to essentials it's this idea of during COVID, we want to maintain strong relationships, we're, we're desperate for connection, we're desperate to, to, feel, to feel safe and to feel like we're having authentic experiences. So I think um, it's a really strong movement, particularly at the moment, um, to be real and authentic because we need that. And I think I got a really, um, found a really interesting p- quote from Pamela Grossman, who is Getty's director of Visual Trends. And what she said was the slick obviously curated aesthetic that the early iterations of social media fostered are being rejected and an unmanicured authenticity is back. So it's also, I think, Ooh. a counter movement. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I was just going to say, it's always nice how you see kind of trends kind of cycle through. Mm. Um, I mean, I feel like the authenticity trend goes in and out of fashion all the time, but I am always drawn to brands that feel authentic in, in the way that they're created. Um, you know, no stock, Im- no obvious cheesy stock images, corporate, coldness. where it all just authentic brands just feel more in line with your own personal values, kind of, I don't know, always feel more likely to get my money than those that I feel are uh, too uh, put together.
1: 100%. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, businesses should be authentic. We should be authentic. Uh- why would we not be authentic also? I think unless you have something to hide um, or or you're being misleading. So I think I, I just, yeah, it, it's something I think we should all aspire to not only in our daily lives as individuals, but um as marketers and brand builders, you know, it's it's that's what humanness is. let's let's be authentic. Um, but I, thanks for talking about some of the like the stock photography point as well because I think that was a big one that came up um, in my reading as well and this idea of, you know, how do you avoid those awkward or unprofessional or, well, actually, if something looks too professional, it it probably doesn't feel authentic. Um, But it it reminded me of the donkey milk lady. um,
0: (laughs) Yes, the most photographed stock woman in the world. I can't remember her name. Irene something or other, I think. (laughs) But uh, she is seen everywhere. Um, And if you've ever had to buy a stock image, I'm sure you guys can visualize who this is. Uh, but I was away in Greece uh, actually it was actually three two years today sad mm. um, and I saw a picture of her advertising donkey milk um, in Greece so she <laughs> she basically advertises everything for everyone I was even watching um, elementary uh, with Lucy Liu um, I can't remember the other guy's name actually plays Watson the other day
1: mm-hmm. and
0: uh on the TV, I was almost going to get my phone out and start recording it to send to you, Anna, but she was on there in the background as like a stock video footage for like this really no. cheap legal firm, but they obviously bought the stock footage to have on the on the wall. And I was like, oh, she's even on elementary. <laughs> so, she's everywhere. Everywhere. But so um, every time I see her, I just think unauthentic. Um, and there's no, if you use her, everyone knows that she's a stock photo basically mm, she's yeah. a stock she's a stock model and people are quite privy well maybe not maybe I'm just privy to it because I'm a designer and I and I know that she's a stock model but maybe most people just think she's a familiar face
1: well well we could put it to the test but I <laughs> you know and I think you know selling donkey milk that feels authentic you know that's that's a wholesome product
0: <laughs> yes early, <laughs> early white teeth and a cheesy smile
1: oh is that what it does does it help your, your teeth be whiter
0: I actually don't know the benefits of Donkey milk. <laughs> I didn't think we will become in that sort of podcast.
1: <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll look into it and get back to you. Um, but, but yeah, it is, it is that, you know, trying to avoid anything that risks a perception of being inauthentic and, you know, personalized messaging. When we talk about what text goes with designed images, you know, talking directly to the customer and moving away from those sort of aggressive sales messages uh, where possible. And I also liked, you know, this idea of rough edged typography and, you know, hand drawn sort of a childlike style sometimes um, that can make it sort of feel even a bit nostalgic, I think, um, was a word that came to mind. But something else that, you know, just from a content perspective as well that I was thinking about around this theme of authenticity and the word consistency came up. And I think something um, that, you know, 55 Knots and yourself, Ben, you know, excellent ad is building in that rigour around delivering on content and making it consistent um, and also looking at the consistency of that quality. And I think consistent behaviours, not only in the content itself, but in the way and the regularity that you deliver it really help to build trust and loyalty because people see that you're always there, you're always available, you're always sharing value, you're always you know, open to here's my expertise, how can I help? Um, and it that in itself helps to build authenticity for a brand.
0: I think it's also nice when you're actually kind of also being authentic in terms of your failure as well. So not always being, um, you know, when someone admits that they don't know everything or uh, they have tried this and it's failed, um, kind of just gives you a bit more um, makes you a bit more human and authentic, I think, because we are, as humans, we're not perfect. Um, and sometimes admitting your failures um, and how you overcome them is more authentic than just pretending you're always right. Um,
1: yes. Personally,
0: I, I tend to like people and brands that kind of take you along the story and the journey that they've been on and where they've done well and when they haven't. Um, just makes you kind of like them more, I think, personally. So if you were to pick a brand that you think is its most authentic self, obviously not 55 knots, Um, (laughs) (laughs) who who would you, uh, what is the most authentic brand that comes to mind first for you, top of your mind?
1: Yeah, I feel like it's cliche, but Dove did come up for me. Um, wow. yeah, and I think Dove is obviously they're you know, well known for their Real Beauty campaign, which kicked off in uh, 2004, I think it was. Um, and you know, sure, it's like a soap and shampoo company, but I think you know the way that they've tried to reframe what what beauty is in itself. And I was even looking at um, you know some of the work they've been doing recently with their content on their Instagram account, and they're they're doing a lot um, around women who have culturally different hair. Um, So uh, there's a lot of unfair judgment and discrimination against Black women based on the actual texture of their hairstyles. And Dove is now talking about like quoting um, women that had experienced this discrimination in their content plan. And it's like, this is a product, but we're talking about really political and but really serious and personal challenges of people in finding their beauty in their own you know self-expression and i think what was really cool as well i've noticed they've um recently started a partnership with Lizzo who's obviously an incredible musician uh, yeah and there's you know pictures of Lizzo sort of al- almost basically like completely nude and you know just as a brand i love the way that they've chosen these um body positive leaders um and and are covering really contentious stuff to me that feels really authentic it feels really purpose-led because they're not just oh everything's pretty and fine on the top it's like these are the deep issues that hold people back we're going to talk about it but yeah I'd love to know what you think about the sort of the colors I guess of Dove and you know they tend to use a bit of some muted colors and things but um what do you think Uh, about the brand? As soon as you
0: said Dove I just the first thing that came into my mind was their um their sort of campaign with um women's of the women women the women (laughs) but women women of all different shapes sizes and colors kind of um in underwear just showing their bare skin on like that gray background that's the first thing that comes to my mind is diversity of women's shapes and sizes so I think they're doing quite um quite well that's the first thing that comes to mind when I think dove and then it's actually the soap um so (laughs) like that's the first thing you think of is is inclusivity and then the brand uh, the product which is Mm. Kind of shows authenticity, and then you said Lizzo, and then the first thing I thought was, I love Sasha flute, <laughs> which is the name of Lizzo's flute. Uh, but anyway.
1: She's named her flute.
0: Yeah, it's called Sasha flute.
1: I had I had heard that, but I <laughs> that's incredible. Do do you have a name for your flute?
0: Yes, I do. It's called Freddie flute.
1: Freddie flute. Yes. <laughs> well, there you go. You and Lizzo have a lot in common.
0: Oh, we do, you know. <laughs> body positivity and all of that
1: love it but yeah no I think I think it is it's a great brand and yeah I mean I do I, I guess I grew up on Dove so it's also um just a good vibe but another brand that came to mind as well was Patagonia and I know I'm talking yes. about yes I was yeah? thinking
0: of Patagonia as you were talking about what, what, you, what would I say if Anna asked me this question it was Patagonia
1: was it okay well what um, were you gonna say what do you what do you like about Patagonia that's authentic. Um,
0: Well, it's again, going back to like what I just said about Dove, like you first thing you think about Dove is actually their campaigns around inclusivity and all of that sort of stuff. But my first thing when you say Patagonia isn't the clothes, again, Mm -hmm. it's about the fact that their clothes are more sustainable. Um, And, you know, it's that that whole sustainability aspect around all of their clothing before the clothes for me, because obviously I'm a big, big believer in ocean conservation and what we put Mm -hmm. out into the planet and stuff. So Patagonia speaks to me because they're thinking about their brand and the impact that their clothes and and their footprint on, on the planet. So that's why Patagonia reaches out to me as an authentic brand. Um, it's, all, it's more than, like, even just going on the website now, like, the first thing that you see on their homepage isn't about their clothing. It's about regenerative practices and knowledge has come from Indigenous and Black farmers, healthy soil animals and people. So it's kind of, you know, the do good first before the clothes, which I think is amazing. And that's kind of where I want to get our brand to at some point is um, how we can, you know, by the success of our business, we can actually do more for the, the the planet and giving back. So it's always nice to see other businesses sort of paving the way in this space.
1: Yes, have unlocked that. Yeah. And and so it might, it might be cool to mention, Ben, the White Whale Collective sort of um, side of that that you'd obviously love to grow. Um, that's something you started quite recently.
0: Uh, yes, so uh, the White Whale well Collective is um, well. It was going to be a sister company to 55 knots, which was uh, about ocean conservation, and we we donate portions of our profits back to um, different ocean-based ocean conservation efforts each year. And we also work with not-for-profits and donate our time. Uh, since the launching that I've kind of decided that it's really hard to manage two businesses at once. So I've kind of merged the White Whale well Collective initiative into 55 knots so now we kind of just work with ocean conservation efforts, efforts um three each year and then we also donate um portions of our profit back to different organizations each year uh, as a way to kind of keep the white whale kind of singing to my heart whilst we um, build the business but um no it's definitely still a passion and definitely something that's going to have bigger plans to do more good as we grow as a business
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And also, I mean, 55 knots in itself is, it's a, it's a nautical, it's an ocean and, and, you know, elemental sort of themed um, business as well. So that certainly works very well. Um, but just to wrap up on uh, Patagonia, I think, uh, you know, amongst all of their beautiful lifestyle imagery um, and uh, well, more just um, landscape photography, like beautiful landscape photography on their Instagram as well, I guess in, in a way it's kind of minimalist in, in, the types of content that they feature like it's very consistent and they will have they were talking about a project they were working on um for the environment um and even they've got a story here which was around organic cotton and how they featured a particular family who grows the cotton and it's all very personal and just it feels very real and it feels very ethical because they are sharing it's very transparent i think is what i'm trying to say um and you know one thing i lastly um i wanted to comment on they did a a pride post, which is interesting because I think often businesses tend to tokenize, you know, Pride Month or Mardi Gras, and they and they sort of, yeah, it just feels it does feel tokenistic and it feels like a novelty. And I think what was interesting is that they, you know, although they're not, uh, you know, an outwardly sort of queer focused brand, I felt that the way that they spoke about you know, pride was really authentic. They just had an image that had a rainbow word pride on a white background. It was really simple. And there was a quote, um, or a comment, I guess, at the end of the little text section. And it said, we're in business to save our home planet. And to succeed means creating a future that is fair, just, equitable, and inclusive for all. And I just felt like, wow, like you've just, you haven't tried to make this big pride thing about you, but you've tied in why this theme ties in with your purpose and mission. And for me, as, as you know, a member of the queer community, is just like that. Really resonated, and I didn't feel like they were taking advantage of it. So, just it it hit the authenticity, um, you yes. know, nail on the head for me.
0: Yeah, that's good. That so many brands do just feel like they're leveraging it for um, uh, publicity or PR.
1: Hundred percent. But um, yeah, it's interesting. But I would love to know what your um, second trend was.
0: Yes. So try and keep this one short because <laughs> we're. Oh, having a good old chat, we are. Um, <laughs> my uh, last top last one is a, a trend that I've been seeing for a couple of years now, and I still feel like it's not going anywhere. Uh, which is monotone and duotone. Uh, so duotone is a halftone process that converts an image to just two colors. Mon- monotone is the same, but it's just one color. It's a popular style. So basically, it adds cohesion to a set of photos. So that all look different. So say if you had five different photos, they're all different shot. um, It basically with a half tone, you can choose two colors to say uh, that was red and green, which is a terrible color choice. Um, But you you use those as a duotone, home and then creates this nice, beautiful aesthetic over all of your images. So they all look like part of the same family. Uh, A brand that everybody knows that does this extremely well is Spotify. Um, It's become part of their sort of brand aesthetic. So all of their images that you will see, Uh, on their website and stuff all duotone so hopefully that helps you give you an understanding of what the look is Um, but I really love it because it uh, makes things feel fresh it makes everyone's brand like if some brands that use it kind of makes them feel very cohesive it's a great little option if you can't afford to go and make your own photography and you do need to find a stock photo Mm -hmm. of somebody um, and you have to have used various images from different photographers it's a great way to create your own unique brand aesthetic, but it also kind of tone all your images to look of the same family. So that's why I like it. I feel like it's fresh. I feel like it's bold. There's something um, fun about it. Something exciting when you see them. Maybe it's because Spotify's brand is so strong. It's actually made these, so these sort of images kind of look fun because Spotify is all about music and you know everyone loves music. So kind of, I don't know, maybe that's more of the effect of Spotify than the actual effect itself. Interesting, um,
1: yeah, driving the trend.
0: Yeah. yeah, so I mean, if you can do something and do it so well that people start to recognize that sort of trend as your trend, I think mm. that's really cool. So that's my pick for uh, my other pick is duotone and monotone uh, design.
1: Brilliant. No, interesting. Yeah, it's it's not a world I know a lot about, but um, it's I think adding that that tint or filter. Would you use the word filter when you add like a color tint. Is that's what's the word that you use? So,
0: basically, what you do if you really want to know the actual technical breakdown, I, do, I would love to know. Um, so you take an image and you make it black and white, mm-hmm. um, and then so you take remove all the color of it from it, and then basically on top of it, you so black and white in itself is monotone, it's mm. everything, everything is a one color. Uh, so doing a monotone design is easy. So, if you want it blue, then you just kind of do a blue on the top and you overlay it. Um, as like a filter in Photoshop, it's kind of just a blending mode. And then you get like a blue monotone. So everything is now blue. When you do duo tone, it's of a similar thing, but you kind of do, um you kind of make, say, the shadows, uh like a dark blue, and then you might make the highlights like a light green or something. And then so that way the image will be probably more green, but then the, the shadows will be blue. And then you kind of get like this duo look.
1: Wow. I'm not sure about like,
0: it that very well but this is a this is an audio uh podcast so i have to explain it the best i can um, um but yeah that's the sort of how you do it so it's, it's quite simple to do monotone giro is a little bit more tricky but giro looks really really nice when you pull it off well you, you pick the right colors you might mm-hmm. want to go with something disharmonous because that quite worked that's quite bold and you know trippy um but you might just want to play it safe with harmony combos but um I actually really like it when I see a just duotone because uh, mm. it's quite, yeah, it's quite impactful.
1: I love it. You paired, paired your two trends together. Oh, there. you know,
0: I'm always thinking ahead, Anna. <laughs>
1: <laughs> put it back seamlessly. No, but maybe we can um, share some examples even on um, some socials. Maybe we can do a little, a little um, video and, and visually show a few of these examples um, of mono and duotones because that would be very interesting.
0: Maybe we could post it on our Instagram. Um, what a geotone is Um, if you'd like to check out what a geotone is you can find our instagram It's, it's at 55 knots agency and we'll put some examples up there of all maybe all four trends so you can see what they actually look like
1: would love to know as well what your favorite brands are that are showcasing all these different trends at the moment. And thanks for joining us on Design That Scales. If you do have any questions on the topics that Ben and I covered today, please follow us on Instagram, get in touch, and we'd love to have a chat. We'll see you next week.